there are happy days, there are normal routine days, and there are days when we wake up and we're filled with sadness. By adopting certain practices, the factors that negatively affect our emotions have a little less impact and our overall, overall well-being will improve one day at a time. Starting the day with a smile, whether it comes naturally or feels forced, even if happiness feels impossible for you right now, will quickly become a habit. It can make you think of a happy memory, possibly even make you laugh. And by releasing the feel-good neurotransmitters, dopamine, endorphins, and serotonin, it can relax your body, lift your mood, and potentially lower your heart rate and blood pressure. Hi, everyone. I'm Al Daniel, yoga teacher, coach, writer, and now host of this podcast, Well Actually. In this podcast, we will explore well-being practices and self-care that actually work, getting into the nitty-gritty and sometimes uncomfortable aspects of what's really needed to live a life truly well. Join me and my expert guests in honest conversations about how to take ownership of your physical, mental and emotional health, cutting through the fluff so that you can make this year your best yet. I am so glad you're here. Welcome to Well Actually. Hello everyone and welcome back to episode 4 of Well Actually Season 2. This week's guest is Mira Manek. Mira is the author of two incredible books, best-selling cookbook Saffron Soul, which is a wealth of modern and traditional vegetarian recipes rooted in her Gujarati heritage, and her second book, Prajna, a beautiful toolkit of Ayurvedic rituals for happiness. Her third book will be out later this year. Mira is also the founder of Chai by Mira, her delicious bespoke blends of chai spice. And she is also an integrated health practitioner, as well as having a very deep well of knowledge in the fields of Ayurveda and EFT, which is also known as tapping. Needless to say, Mira possesses an incredible wealth of knowledge about well-being. And as well as having a, a very impressive CV, she also is able to draw on so much of her life experience and her own health journey to bring us this valuable wisdom. I so enjoyed this conversation with Mira and I know you will too. The music on this episode is by the wonderful Palena. Thank you for listening. So put your gold jewelry on, get your new skirt on, feeling like you're ready to embrace the day. Put your on. Hello, Mira. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for coming along to chat. Um, I would love to know, first of all, are you well actually? Thank you very much for having me. Am I well? I feel really great. I do feel well and I do feel like I feel full of energy right now. I've just got back from holiday and I always feel great when I've rested well on a holiday. Amazing. Where did you go? I was in Dubai. I had a bit of work, but I also just relaxed a bit. I had friends out there. I used to live there 10 years ago. So Lovely. just sort of reconnecting. Yeah. Lovely. And getting the sunshine. Just oh like, god yes exactly yeah. i did that in bali too because i've just been away twice in a row which yes. um not entirely unnatural but i haven't been away in a while so it was nice to go away but it was very one on top of the other <laughs> mm, lovely lovely and um how would you how would you define what being well is in just a, in what's your current working definition of being well what is my definition of being well well being well is to me 
feeling good in your body and mind. And I think both of those things very much um, play into one another and have an impact on one another. So if I'm not feeling good in my body, in my digestion and having rested well, not eaten well, then my mind will be unclear and I'll feel a bit, you know, tired in my head. And I think, you know, maybe I'll go for the extra chocolate or food just because I'm tired and that will make me feel mentally worse so I think both of them have an impact and that's just one example but I think feeling good in my body really very much dictates how I feel in my mind Mm. Um, and feeling well is really just a combination of so many things my second book is all about happiness but essentially happiness for me is very much to do with how I feel in my body and mind and feeling good in my body is very much a holistic thing in terms of how well I've eaten, how well I've slept, is my digestion okay? Um, Am I feeling lethargic or energetic? All those things very much dictate how I'm feeling in my, how well I'm feeling. Mm. And do you find it's, um, those things are kind of moving targets, you have to consistently check in? Because um, as you say, you like to travel, things like that, that can, can always, even though it's a lovely thing to do, can throw us off kilter. Mm. Do you have a kind I of... Do, yeah, I do. And I think what really has over the last, you know, uh, the older I get, the more I realise that the way I fly and the timings and all of that really impacts how I feel at the other side, on the other side. And not only how I feel on the other side, but how my next week might go because it lingers so if I've had a long flight in which I've not eaten well and my digestion was slightly off the day before and it will have a f- impact going forward for, for a few days because my digestion is slow and I really need to take care of what I eat so I really try and prepare or plan what I take on a flight and don't always have the whole meal when it comes um I might have something if I'm hungry or I'll pick something up from the airport or I'll take something with me. I'll probably do a combination of all those. So the way I fly really matters and the way I sleep, you know, going wherever I go to, just making sure that my sleep isn't that affected. So yes, of course it's fine. We're young, we can completely bounce back, but I do like to not miss out on a full night's sleep. Otherwise Mm. it has an impact on so many different areas. And I used to do that. I used to fly, I mean, I flew overnight recently and then I went straight into my day. And I thought that was completely fine because it's such a short flight. But, and I actually slept well on the flight, but that really threw me off for a few days. I was just feeling gritty, gr- sorry, um, just tired for three, for, for a few days going forward. So I just feel like maybe it's to do with age or whatever it is, but my sleep really impacts the way I feel because it will affect my digestion, it will affect my choices and my mental space. Mm. And and how long would you say have you been really paying attention to to things like your sleep and your digestion when you even when you're in one place or when you're traveling? For a very long time, but I don't think I've got it right until maybe in the last five to seven, eight years. But I think all my life I've had this sort of um slightly poor or slightly slow digestion. Mm-hmm. And I have been affected by what I eat very quickly. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I know what I need to avoid. I think my my, uh, discipline with what I eat has got so much better. And it's no longer just discipline. It is discipline, but it's it's become a way of life now. You know, avoiding things or being careful about what I choose to eat is so important to me to the extent where, you know, 
going out for a meal, I will be, you know, I'll try and make the choice of where I'm going and what I might be eating beforehand or I'll plan for it better. So it's a daily, daily, daily sort of endeavor and daily effort and choice. Mm. And I think it's been, it's been forever, but I don't think I've been very good at it as such as I am now. And I do think it's one of those things that just gets better with time. The more you get disciplined in your mind, the more sort of you get, the more, the better you feel in your body and mind, the more you'll do to feel it's a virtuous cycle. Yes. Absolutely. I think I'm probably in the phase where I know what agrees and doesn't agree with me, but I don't always have the discipline <laughs> to, to. Honor. Yeah, no, I no, but I, I don't, I mean, I genuinely don't always have the right stuff, but mm. it's about getting better at it. And it's about making those choices. Um, preparing. I think what helps me is preparing. So if I'm going out, which I am out a lot, I work from different places. And so I take things with me. Mm. So I don't have to go and have that whole meal somewhere or like, you know, indulge on a snack when I'm feeling hungry and just have a coffee and then like, oh, I really fancy that other thing because I'll have that date with me because I know that at some point I will want some sugary fix and why not go for that date rather than a chocolate, dark, even if it's dark chocolate, whatever it is. And it's not like I won't have that dark chocolate. It's just that on a daily basis, I don't want to be making the same choice, which is not, going to make me feel the best yeah it sounds it all sounds very boring but I do think over time you just realize that this will impact how I feel every single day and what how I feel every single day will impact how I feel every week and every month and how my year will go no I don't I I I, the thing is is I can I don't think it sounds boring because you're doing it it sounds like from a position of wanting to feel good it's not about you know keeping a diet for Mm um restrictive purposes is it it's about it's about your like the feeling that you have in yeah body and mind yeah and it is it is both I would say it's one of those things where I want to you know how you feel good dictates how you look but it's more about how you feel it I mean obviously I don't want to look like I want to look my best mm. but that will very much be dictated by how I feel yes has it ever gone the other way for you? Have you ever put how you look before how you feel in, in the past? Yes, I think that's how my, how my journey began. So I write about that in my book in the sense that I lost my way in terms of food and, 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 and dieting during university. Before university, I went on to Weight Watchers and I didn't think of nutrition. All I thought of was how can I get thinner? And I equated being thinner with being healthier I literally equated it as that and therefore even though I grew up eating amazing Indian food which is nourishing and healthy and home cooked and stuff that I eat now I I thought at that age that it was all about eating less but snacking all the time sorry eating less during meal time and snacking all day mm-hmm. and not eating oil so I always thought oh Indian food is oil but actually there's a tiny pinch of oil and things when you only make it at home So I started not eating Indian food and eating, instead of eating Indian food, I'd have like the unhealthy or the wrong choices. And I really would call them wrong. I know everything is fine in moderation, but I'd be going for, for example, in Weight Watchers, you'd have a point system, be like, well, one, and I can't remember how many points is a a weight, uh, sorry, is a special K bar. Now that's full of sugar or like a, a yogurt. And I'd go for those things rather than over and above having real food. Absolutely. So 
it, I, when I look back at that and I think about what I was like and how brainwashed I was in the sense that I'd even tell my family, why are you eating this? And why are you putting this in the curry? I literally think I was ludicrous and I can't believe I was like that. Um, and some habits are still sometimes there. You know, I do like a bit of sweet. I, I do have a sweet tooth and if I have a protein bar sometimes it will fill me up and I'll feel happy about having it but that's okay because I don't do that all the time and I have proper proper meals mm. so I do I may not have breakfast every single day because I delay my breakfast a bit um, and that's fine as well so it's just about what you do 80% of the time that counts really you know you don't you can break habit you can have the odd pizza you can have this and that and the other which you enjoy and love and overeat sometimes but what do you do most of the time and how do you feel most of that time? Yeah. And so when you when you started to move from a place of kind of thinking about, you know, calories and weight and things and getting back a bit to your roots, how much time was there between that and then you coming to write, say, your book, Saffron Soul and sharing all those recipes that originate in India? Yeah, so I wrote Saffron Soul at the age of, well, I started writing it at the age of 30. It only really got published a few years later um, as a different, it was called something different before before that. And I didn't realize how much you have to go through in terms of creating your own name before you publish a cookbook. You kind of need to be known in, in some way, shape or form. Um, so I started writing at 30 and I really think that that's when I started realizing, or that's when the penny dropped mm. of, why have I been doing this all my all my life? Like, why have I been avoiding Indian food? I mean, it's not like I never ate it, I did eat it. But why have I been thinking that Indian food is unhealthy and oil is like the enemy? Mm. Um, but it's not even until I, after I wrote the book and I studied nutrition and all of that, it's only after all of this and yo-yo dieting and all of that, that I realized that it's all about balance and it's all about, food groups and making sure that your plate every single meal time has a good balance of macronutrients yeah. and that there's no such thing as a bad as, as you shouldn't really cut out food groups unless there's something that you're allergic to for example or that doesn't suit you like sometimes if you're celiac you have to cut things out or if you are gluten intolerant you obviously have to cut out wheat but if you're not then having that one roti, which I love having, my you know, home-cooked roti, is probably a better choice than having a piece of bread, which has been manufactured, or a pizza, which is quite stodgy. So just making the right choices, you know, it's, it's not about cutting out that wheat entirely. It's about having the roti, which is home-cooked and fresh, rather than having um, a slice of, or, or a naan bread, which is a lot more stodgy and harder to digest. And understanding what impacts your digestion what helps you feel good after a meal? What helps you not bloat? Mm. Um, and how different foods affect you? Mm. And how does, I mean, but you correct me if I'm wrong, is this, is Ayurveda kind of implicit in Indian, Indian cooking or would there be people would there be people of Indian origin who don't really know that much about Ayurveda or is it or is it already integrated into the kind of way of eating it is very much integrated into the way of eating because we use spices in our food and I think that in itself is Ayurvedic yes. so every Indian dish will have some sort of a tarka or in Gujarati we call that vagar 
which is just a tempering of spices in hot oil, mm. um, whatever it is, it could be mustard seeds, um, cumin seeds, coriander seeds, uh, coriander seeds are not usually used actually, fenugreek seeds, um, and then curry leaves potentially, and then ginger garlic if you want. So different curries use different things, but essentially every dal or curry will have some tempering of spices. And that's what makes an Indian dish. And obviously then you have the ground spices on top. So you'll add a bit of turmeric on top, um, maybe some coriander powder, cumin powder, all of those things. Mm. And those very things, each of those things are Ayurvedic in themselves because every spice has a plethora of health benefits. Plus each spice aids digestion. So it makes the food easier to digest and helps you with your gut health. And you can also drink all the spices. So in Ayurveda, there's a drink called, uh, well, not called anything, but it's made of three different spices. That's cumin seeds, coriander seeds, and fennel seeds mm-hmm. in equal proportion. And you can just keep that ready and have that all day long, boil a lot of hot water with it. And there's other seeds like ajumal, which is um, carom seeds, which are great for the stomach. So if you have bloating or stomach issues, you can either chew carom seeds, swallow them with some water, or put them in hot water and drink that water. So there's so many different, every single spice will work for different things and there's I don't think there's such a thing as really overdoing spices unless I mean we're not talking about having like tablespoons every day but if you sprinkle spices in your food and your drinks you will literally I mean it's transformative but you won't feel the impact every single day it's not like taking a laxative where the next day you'll be like oh my god that had a massive impact it's more about doing these things every single day and over time you'll be like oh yeah that I do feel better after meals or I do that tastes better as well because obviously spices taste amazing, make alter the flavor of foods, but every spice has a great, has a different benefit to so many different things and they balance each other out. So cumin seeds and mustard seeds, one is heating, one is a bit more cooling. So there's so many different benefits that these spices have. And even without understanding those benefits, just sprinkle them and everything. And I'm, I'm, and I'm talking about black pepper as well. There's so many benefits to black pepper. And we just, you know, put it on our food. But actually, can you put a bit more on your food? Can you cook with black black pepper? Can you put it into your tea, maybe? We put it, you know, my chai spice mix, which Mm. um, I served cafes and people can get it online. Um, That contains black pepper. And in fact, most spice mixes, masala spice mixes for chai will contain black pepper as they will ginger, cardamom, and all these other, other spices. And each of them is good for you. Yes. If you had to have one spice on hand, what would it be? I know you said Gosh. they complement each other, but what would be your number one? <laughs> God, I have so many. Oh my God, I love spices. Literally, I carry them <laughs> around with me. I would say, God, I think taste-wise, I love saffron and cinnamon yes. the most, but then I literally love them all. I love cardamom. I love ginger. I, it's really hard for me to say. But probably, oh God, really hard. Ginger, maybe? Yeah, I love it. I don't know. I mean, ginger, because it's so anti-inflammatory and I use ginger powder in hot water literally all the time. Mm. So good for the body. It's so anti-inflammatory. It's so warming. But then I love cinnamon and I just love them all. And I love putting saffron in my tea sometimes. Mm. Um, And obviously my book is called Saffron Soul. Um, So yeah, I mean, generally spices are just very Ayurvedic. I mean, when I say very Ayurvedic, I don't think you can call something Ayurvedic, but very, there's principles of Ayurveda and one of the main principles of Ayurveda is cooking food in spices and adding spices or drinking spices and that is a very important ingredient of Ayurveda so the fact that Indians cook with spices is very much an Ayurvedic thing 
and people could benefit from that without necessarily needing to know say their their dosha for example their constitution type yeah absolutely because i think what we forget is or what people don't talk about is that ayurveda has you know you can very much live live by your doshas and get them seen and they will tell you that according to your dosha, you should avoid this, this, and this. And that's all very important. But the first thing I would say, even more important than that, is just understanding the principles of Ayurveda. Mm. So by adding spices to food, you're not going to mess up. It's like saying, I drink Diet Coke, but I'm not going to add spices to my food because I don't know which dosha I am. So, But why are you drinking the Diet Coke? Like, it's a little bit like that. Oh, I'm having chocolate like three times a day, but I won't add spices because I still don't know which spices work for me. Most of the spices will work for you. There might be certain foods that don't agree with you. Like, say, for example, there might be a particular vegetable that um, won't be good for you compared to something else, but it's not going to be doing you any harm unless it's an allergy. So as with dosha, it's not allergies. It's just that, Someone will tell you that these foods suit you better or right now avoid this for a few weeks, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Or your food, your body type means that you should really not eat first thing in the morning. You should wait until 11 a.m. to eat. It could be anything. And so those little things, are they can help you fine tune your health. Yeah. But the more key principles that you want to abide by mm. are things like having spices in food, leaving proper gaps between meals and trying not to snack too much um making sure you eat your dinner slightly earlier I mean ideally very early but if you can just do slightly earlier than usual and allow for your digestive process to happen before you go to bed so that you're not having to digest food while you're sleeping um waking up and doing some sort of movement in the morning so that your digestive fire, which is in Ayurveda called Agni, gets ignited because that's one one of the ways to ignite it. Doing deep breath work or just having taking a few deep breaths to get you into the sort of rest and relax mode and get your digestive fire again moving and making sure that your digestion or your digestive capacity or fire is, pri- is at its prime and ready to receive the food and digest the food properly when the food comes. Mm-hmm. and and then another principle would be um don't have water with your meal have it before and after or after have warm water rather than cold water avoid very cold things eat cooked foods rather than raw food so those are the principles and i think anyone can live by those you don't need to be a particular dosha to be living by those principles yeah Absolutely. No, that's great. That's that's really cool, actually, because I've been interested in it for a while. And I was always quite doing all those little tests that you can get and the varying, you know, what's your dosha, what's your type. And I'd sometimes get different, different answers. But actually, that's quite nice to hear that actually, you can just start on the principles. And then see. Yeah, and I think it's yeah, people get people almost are now becoming um, what's that word? Symb- is it called? Um, oh, yeah. The word Ayurveda is becoming synonymous with dosha now. Yes. And yeah. I don't think I don't think that it should be. I think uh, doshas are important. It's good to understand what your dosha is, although I feel like th- two people have given me two different diagnoses. And that's I don't fully abide by it all. And it's good to. But it's you, you don't have to. But if you just go with the principles and try to do as much as you can according to the principles of Ayurveda. They're similar to Chinese medicine, to be honest. Chinese medicine tells you not to have um, 
anything cold, have everything cooked, keep everything warm, blah, blah, blah. And all those things, they all speak the same language. And if you just go according to some of those principles, you're winning at your health. And then you can fine tune it by adding in that layer of figuring out your dosha and being like, oh, that makes sense. Maybe I should avoid that. Or now that makes sense. My energy is really low in the morning and this is why. And therefore I should do X, Y, Z, that sort of thing. So that's where you can fine tune and there's no reason why you can't start on that journey before finding out your dosha and don't ever replace what I say to people is don't replace your health or your, sorry, your supplements and what you're doing right now with Ayurveda. There's nothing, there's nothing replacing about it. It's just about adding in spices. It's about adding in those principles and don't, you know, don't cut out things like supplements because you think you get everything from your food because no matter how how, Ayurvedically you eat, you're not going to get everything from your food because our soil, the way it is now, is much more depleted of minerals, vitamins um, Mm. than it was once upon a time, five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 50 years ago. Mm. So actually, you're not going to get all the vitamins and minerals that you need from your food. So it's important to take certain supplements and find out what you're deficient in. And if if you are low on your energy, on energy one day or two days or consistently, what is causing it? Find out. So it's all about listening to your own body, understanding what works for your digestion. And I know I keep talking about digestion, but it literally is the crux of everything. How you digest is how you live. Hello, I hope you are enjoying this episode. If you feel inspired by the conversation we're having to take your well-being journey that little bit further, you can now join Well Actually in Practice, a platform of hundreds of classes ranging from yoga and movement to breath work and guided meditations to coaching classes and journal prompts. You can even find philosophy talks on there. It's a real 360 for your well-being and I'm really proud to offer it to you for just £15 a month, which is actually less than the cost of a yoga class right now. And even better, you get to enjoy your first seven days completely free and it can be cancelled anytime. There's no strings attached. Head to the show notes for the sign-up link to start your free trial or head to www.yogiel.com forward slash well actually. Now, back to the episode. It so is. I can tell so quickly if I've eaten just in a way that, you know, if I've had a day where I just haven't eaten in an, let's say, an optimal way, I can feel it, you know the next it's almost like a hangover <laughs> um you know in the, yeah. it, just the brain fog you get even I notice it so much more now um just because yeah yeah it's I, I I agree it's like the second second brain isn't it the gut yeah exactly and I think I get fully affected by what I eat so much and not everyone else does you know people don't get impacted immediately by what they eat but I really do and I'm very sensitive to things that I eat especially if they're stodgy or you know hard to digest and obviously all my life I thought oh god why why do I get so affected but actually in a way it's sort of a blessing in disguise because I don't have to discover it later and I I, I sort of um developed that discipline or resilience from a younger age um than having to develop it later than letting myself go and feeling like oh my god it's too far down the line I can't change the way I am Totally, totally. I, yeah, I agree. It is. A, it is a blessing to be a sensitive soul, or a st- you have a sensitive tummy. It's not. Not that. Yeah, it's not that great. You don't want to be like. You know, I. If I have a bad flight, or 
I haven't eaten properly and it will affect me a lot more than maybe it'll affect most people. I, I'll feel like every part of me feels like enlarged. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I can relate. I can relate. Yeah. Um. So Mira, what are your, if you could, sh- if you don't mind sharing, what are some of your kind of daily or just very like regular rituals, non-negotiables that you keep um, that you can share with us? Yes, I can do that. I One of my main ones is trying to delay breakfast and not having it first thing in the morning. Mm-hmm. Ayurveda says you should do some movement and then have breakfast when your agni or your digestive fire awakes a couple of hours after you've woken up. For me, that might be a few hours later. It just depends on the season and listening to my body. So if, I, if it's winter time, I get hungry earlier and I'll just allow myself to eat that porridge earlier. If it's summertime and I can get my body used to having skipping breakfast entirely and just having lunch and even if that lunch means it's a bit of you know breakfast food because I love breakfast food I love porridge and all those things mm-hmm. then I'll just have it slightly later 11 12 p.m mm-hmm. and that will um sort of start my day off slightly later awaken that hunger a little bit later mm-hmm. um so that's one thing and doing some sort of movement or exercise every single day and by that I mean weights cardio yoga um and starting the day with some sort of breath work and if I haven't done it in the morning I'll do it at some point in the day in the evening and when I say breath work for me I've trained in breath work but I, I do some level of basic pranayama just deep breathing and also kapalpati which is the um, breath of fire which really gets the digestion going one of my favorites sometimes I'll do anulom vilom which is the alternate nostril breathing which balances both sides of the brain and the body and the mind um, it just depends on how much time I have and but I'll do some some uh, breath work but again now that I'm talking about it, I'm like I need to write down that I do this every single day and do it more, more spend more time on it which I don't feel like I do mm-hmm. enough of um so it's movement breath food and making being careful of you know starting my meals later and making sure that I'm not snacking too much because that's something that I know I'm capable of doing because I love I, I feel like I'm thinking about food all day long. Mm-hmm. And so making sure I'm satiated with, with my meals, some, m- mostly. Yeah. There are times when I'm not. And, and I'm not overeating, but just making sure that I've had some sort of protein in my food as well, because that keeps you satiated longer. Yes. Um, I'm sure there are other rituals. Like smi- one of the rituals I speak about in my book, Prajna, is... I was say, you wrote a whole a... book about rituals, so I'm sure you have many. <laughs> yeah, there's one which I write about, which I really like, which I think is really important. And again, right, when I say this, I feel like I do it, but I don't do it consciously. And therefore, I can't even say 100%, do I do this every day? But I do think I do it every day. Yeah. And this is so simple. You're, going, you're not, you're not going to laugh. It's actually great, but it's so simple. It's unbelievably simple. So I've written start your morning by saying sorry by smiling there are happy days there are normal routine days and there are days when we wake up and we're filled with sadness by adopting certain practices the factors that negatively affect our emotions have a little less impact and our overall overall well-being will improve one day at a time starting the day with a smile whether it comes naturally or feels forced even if happiness feels impossible for you right now will quickly become a habit it can make you think of a happy memory, possibly even make you laugh. And by releasing the feel-good neurotransmitters, dopamine, endorphins, and serotonin, it can relax your body, lift your mood, and potentially lower your heart rate and blood pressure. So smiling is one way or a quick way of using physiology to change your psychology. 
as is breath work. And I think breath work is the quickest way as well. So smiling, you're literally, you might not even be happy, but by smiling, you're almost, it's not even faking it till you make it because you will release something into your body. Yeah. And you'll, it, and, and, and smiling, even if you don't want to smile, will think, make you think of something or laugh at yourself. And that's good enough. Yeah. I love that. And I think that's fine on a daily basis. Like I might be happy and fine right now. But when I'm going through a harder time in life, that ritual, because, because it's become a habit in my life, will hopefully just start my day a little bit better when I'm in a place of sadness. Yeah. It's almost like starting your day with gratitude. Well. Yeah. And that's one of the things I write about saying thank you. And I do. I, I try waking up early another one but waking up early I don't again I've just flown in from Dubai and I've been away and while I love waking up early in the last few days since I've got back I've been very 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 tired and not getting up super early but that's another one I when I'm here consistently I do try and do that and saying thank you beginning your day with by saying thank you um it doesn't matter you know what your form of gratitude is it doesn't matter if you're writing it in a book or saying out loud or writing on a piece of paper and just throwing it away it doesn't matter what you do but or putting in a jar like you can just fill up your jar with little notes of saying thank you for something it could be anything like yes thank you for a good night's sleep or it it doesn't have to be to anyone if you don't believe in a god just to the universe you know and just saying a thank you will just enlighten your mind with a sense of appreciation for something that's completely normal and make you realize actually it's that small thing that I remembered from yesterday that made me feel really happy. Mm, I love that. Yeah. That's lovely. Yeah. I think that's, it's so true. You said just, just to repeat what you said, your physiology change can change your psychology. Did you say that? Yeah. So finding quick ways of of using physiology to change psychology. So obviously we all know that when we run or when we do some sort of exercise, we release endorphins and that makes us happier. Mm. And that's a way of physiology changing psychology, but what's a quick way of doing that? Yoga is a great way as well. Mm. Quick way of doing that. And the quickest way I would say is breath work because you could be in a really stressed state, like the way I'm talking right now, I'd be fast, Mm. I'd be really stressed. And suddenly I'll take a deep breath. I'll be like, and that will very quickly change my energy and change me, my stress system from being in stress state to being in a relaxed, relaxed state. So that's the quickest way, I would say, for our physiology. And you can also do it reverse way. You can be really relaxed and calm and sleepy or whatever it is, relaxed, and take these really um, strong breaths, not deep breaths, but like, um, what do you call it? Um, rapid breathing mm. um, or kapalbati, or one of those that's really rapid or even through the mouth. like, And that will take you to a slightly more stressed state. Yeah. So breath, I would say, is one of the quickest ways to change your psychology by using a physiology. And another another way is the smile and the laughter. What do they say about people who just smile and laugh? Mm. No matter what what you're going through in life, if you can smile and laugh, if you can be with someone who can make you laugh, there's nothing like it because that's almost like the biggest thing in health. Even if you're really unhealthy, if you can just, if you're laughing all the time, then your mental state will be so much better. So true. It's so true. Oh, I love that. Um, and just slightly changing, um, pivoting slightly. Um, do you, is there anything just from the kind of wider wellness world, is there anything out there that you suspect, you know, that's touted as a, a source of well-being that you suspect might be more causing of harm than the good it's purporting to, to give? 
So many things, I'm sure. Um, um, Obviously, back in the day, diet culture, and I'm sure that's still there to some degree, not understanding what you're eating, but going by um, what someone's telling you to eat. And if that's wrong, if if that's not conducive to your health, then that will um, deplete you of vitamins and minerals. Um, What else? I mean, that's that again, like I said, that's got a lot better and people do understand a lot more. what they're eating yeah um so that's got better what else um uh isn't there some new injection that you can take to get skinnier there's something new that's come out hasn't there the diabetes yeah yes exactly exactly Mm -hmm. so that one terrible i mean like literally there are ways to quick ways to make yourself skinnier or the gastric band or there's so many ways like that trick tricks that you can use but essentially, not only is that probably doing you harm, mm. but in the long run, you won't know how to lose that weight without relying on something. Okay. So you might need to change your diet and lose weight consistently over time. But if, if you're doing it in such a quick, short time, it will impact um, your health in the long run. Absolutely. You know, if I'm if I'm eating far less food because of this gastric band, surely I'm missing out on some vitamins and minerals. And surely if I remove that band, then I'm going to probably put on a lot quicker. Yeah. Um, so it's about understanding, like, it's hard though. I say all this and losing weight is not an easy thing or putting on weight isn't an easy thing. Whatever you need to do, whatever your health journey is. And that's, I do work with people as an integrated health practitioner on their journeys. But I think it has to tackle your habits and what, causes those habits so for me it would be maybe boredom sitting at home working because I'm procrastinating and that leads me to the kitchen and to eat something because my mind is constantly on food Mm -hmm. for someone else it'll be I'm going through a really rough time and I'm stressed all the time and that makes me want to eat or it could be the opposite where because I'm super stressed I just don't eat and I forget food and then come eight o'clock I'm having a massive meal and having junk because I haven't eaten the whole day so it could be anything but how do you change that habit Firstly, the person needs to want to change their habit. And secondly, what is causing that mentally? Um, what is causing that person to be super stressed? You know, can that person maybe put alarms on, be like, okay, at two o'clock, I'll go and have this, or I'll keep this in my bag so it's much quicker for me to go and get it and eat it. Mm-hmm. Um, at seven o'clock, you know, whatever it is. Um, and because I'm super stressed all the time, I have to remind myself to ha- have a few deep breaths before I eat so I can digest the food better. Yeah. But those little things, if they don't make an impact very quickly, which is what the world these days wants, a quick impact, people are not, or the person who's doing it won't see the impact and therefore won't do it again. But over time, these little, little changes that are tweaks that we make in our habits and our life and the way we eat and live, will have such a big impact because over time you're doing something consistently totally that's really it's so true it's just that need for quick fixes now i think that's that's undoing people yeah and i think it is the quick fixes that is really ruining everything because as much as i love a quick fix and as much as i would easily maybe 10 years ago have taken an injection like that because i've been like oh my god that's amazing i can just lose weight because i have a tendency to put on having done it over time and I know that I can easily put on now as well and, and lose and on a daily basis I'll fluctuate mm. I know what I need to do to feel my best so if I'm doing those things it's having a massive benefit to me but I did do it over a long period of time and I think when people are losing weight 
if they do it for over a long period of time and not like, oh, in six weeks, I've lost this much. If they do that same amount in six months or a year, the impact will be so much more lasting because it will be a lifetime change. Mm. When you do something in six weeks and you're accountable to somebody and checking in with them, it's amazing. But when those eight weeks are gone or those two months are gone, the desire or the motivation will start to fade and you will go back to your natural way of eating. And actually you do want to go back to your natural way of eating because you can't sustain little calories for too long. And you're probably missing out on certain nutrients. So you do want to go back to that. The minute you go back to that, you will start putting on again a lot quicker than you were before. Mm -hmm. So it's all about having, not restricting yourself that much. If you want to go on a calorie count, great. But do it maybe more, a little bit more than you think you should. Like if it sounds like if someone's telling you to do 800 to 1,000 to lose weight by summertime, I mean, that's fine to do. But if you can just make it slightly more so that you're, the target's easier and you're, you're actually able to do it mm. and lose it over a longer period of time because you've got enough energy to do the fitness and make it a lifestyle change, mm. then you'll be able to maintain that year on year. Mm-hmm. That's really great. You know, that's, that's great advice. I always like to ask my guest Mira um, at the end, if they have anything they'd like to share that isn't like a, a something you do that isn't necessarily an obvious wellness practice, but just brings you a lot of joy that you wish more people knew about. Yeah, let's see. Something that brings me more joy. I think if I was to say, okay, well, it's not obvious, but I would say some sort of shaking in the morning, like shaking your body and just like moving. And it doesn't matter what you do, just try and shake your body. I think that's a really fun thing to do and something you can, you can use a trampoline at home, whatever you want, but just move and shake and jump. That's a good one because it gets your body moving, gets everything moving. And that's that's more well-being, I think. Um, I would just come back to the simplicity of being friends with or being with a partner who really makes you laugh yeah, and who can really make you laugh. Because I think there's no replacement in terms of health, wellness, well-being, mental state, everything mm. than laughing. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I really relate to that. My um, husband is one of the funniest people around which made, uh, which made lockdown a lot easier that's so nice <laughs> yeah well thank you so much Mira. i feel like i've learned so much and i'm sure everyone who's listening will too i really appreciate you taking the time thank you no thank you for having me and it's wonderful to be on your podcast and i i look forward to listening to it Thank you so much for listening, everyone. I so enjoyed today's episode and I hope you did too. Isn't Mira just so full of amazing knowledge? I particularly loved what she shared about Ayurveda and how actually rather than getting too bogged down in our dosha or our constitutional type, how it's really great to actually just start adopting these principles. It can't hurt us to to involve more spices, more whole foods in our diet. If you're interested in her work, she has two incredible books out. One is a cookbook, one is a beautiful book on rituals. I'm going to link both of them in the show notes so you can go find them there. I'm also going to link her delicious chai brand, Chai by Mira, and where you can purchase that. 
Don't forget to share this episode and tell your friends about it. Share it on your socials, share it with your friends, your family. It so helps us to grow and it helps me to keep bringing these conversations to you. Don't forget as well that if you are interested in some of the things we're talking about and you'd be curious to know how you can really bring these to life, put them into practice, remember that there is a companion platform to go with this podcast called Well Actually in Practice. And you can try it completely free for the first seven days. I will also pop a link to that in our show notes. Thank you so much for listening and I will see you next Thursday.